you are now listening to Hint of Lemon. Hey, welcome to Hint of Lemon. Today, I have a guy that I've known for quite a while now. So what it comes down to is that this guy is one of those people who have always been humble and just a genuine, loyal friend. Just to put it short, he's a lover of many great things, of many things. <laughs> Luxurious things sometimes, really. But So one thing I've always noticed about this guy is he's one of my big brothers growing up, especially in high school time. And one thing I noticed is that he's always excelled to a higher degree. So without saying too much, I'd like to introduce you guys to... Jedrick, aka J Rock, aka Slick Rick, aka Twinkle Toes. What's up, oh bro? <laughs> you pulled out like high school. You I haven't heard that in a minute. That's on my um, that's on my academic letter letterman's jacket. I'm so proud of it. I didn't letter anything but academics. Believe that. There you see, like that's how far back we go, man. Fuck. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for making the time. This of is great. Of course. Again, thank you for, uh, you know, being here and just being willing to spread that positivity and spreading that that knowledge and wisdom that you've always had when I was around you and, you know, just catching up. So very humble. Thank you, man. And just like big ups, man. I like I w- we were just talking about this before we uh, we started, but like the hardest thing to do is start something. Oh yeah. And you know, just like big respect, because I have so many ideas in my head, but none of yeah. them come to fruition. But you're the type of dude that like does it and makes it happen. I appreciate that. And yeah, and I was like very happy to jump on this call because you're a dude that I could always always like joke around with and like talk to. But at the same time, when we were talking about real shit, it was always real. So For it's sure. an honor, really. Like, appreciate it. So how are you overall? Like, we can talk about during the pandemic, whatever. I know you got big news. Oh, my goodness, dude. Life is fucking crazy. And I'm sorry if I can't curse, but life no, is... No, curse, please. Please. I'm a little vulgar. My, my fault. Nick please. Man. I'm very vulgar. So let's go. <laughs> life is crazy, man. You know, just to give you, like, a little bit of... Because we haven't caught up in a while. Just to give you... Background, like I was at we worked for like five years. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was my bread and butter. Like that was I was gonna be at that company for you know the rest of my life. And I lived, breathed and died, you know, with WeWork. But you know, the pandemic hit and you know, my job quote unquote became uh, irrelevant or redundant. I forgot what the term was, but I ended up not working at WeWork, and that was like very new to me. Um yeah. that was around I want to say May. But yeah, pandemic was crazy. I eventually got a new job in my new company, and that's going really, that's really right. well. Congrats! Yeah, man, um, I'm I'm now engaged, which is the craziest shit that I <laughs> that knows me, man. I used to be that like hopeless romantic type guy that like would you know chase after everybody, and I never <laughs> thought that I would actually find the one. But bro, you found her, man! Congrats to both of you, and she's really great too. So thank you, man. She is. But yeah, it's been rough, dude. Like, honestly, like it's been a lot of ups and downs. But in a way, it's like one of those things that I see it as growing pains in a way. Like mm. you needed to like strip away all the bullshit and all the excess and all the things that kind of distracted to really focus on what really matters sure. and almost like reaffirm the things that, you know, you're capable of when you're at rock bottom. Yeah, it's been a blessing in disguise for real. That's the best way to explain it, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just adding on to that, that's why I love talking with you because you're just a reflective guy in general. So <laughs> when it comes to conversation, like I don't even have to explain myself as much because you already yeah. 
like you just have to say like i get it and i'm like yeah I, you do get it <laughs> like what, why am i wasting my breath i feel you <laughs> i try man i try you yeah. know it's part of the empathy i feel like i'm an empath to a fault oh but, for sure yeah. see yeah. like the fact that you're able to even catch on to that like that says a lot so no i appreciate that yeah thank you man thank you around pandemic too or just in general like are there any new habits that you've kind of obtained or new opportunities other than you know work and bro after man that's a great question because like i feel like this this pandemic first of all has been going on forever yeah it's been like i don't know it's like a new world i forgot what life was like before this you know and i'm sure i'm not alone but it was crazy because there was definitely some ebbs and flows during the pandemic like when first hit i was in anxiety mode to the max i hear that yeah i ended up losing like 30 pounds bro like i was skinny as a rail at that point and i don't know where that like maybe it was keto plus like you know just stress that amplified that but i was feeling really you know skinny anxious but (laughs) <laughs> it was kind of that. Right, right. Um, and then, you know, after we settled into the, the pandemic a little bit, like summertime, I started feeling a little bit more positive and, you know, a little more comfortable. So I ended up eating like no other. <laughs> like, I just like the stress um, diet turned into stress eating. <laughs> and like, I was just, I don't know. I went into a really bad place there, but. No, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I don't know. That was kind of the other side of the things. But during that time, I actually picked up ice cream making. Oh, yeah. Out of all the crazy shit that you could pick up is ice cream making. So that was really fun. I felt like when I was making ice cream, I was really, I created a space for myself. Mm. You know, like, I think that's where true creativity comes is when you create a space to become creative. So I had my own ice cream making hat. (laughs) I bought all my ice cream paraphernalia. I put my headphones in and I was just in the zone, man, creating (laughs) new flavors and stuff like that. So that was really fun. What's the top flavor that uh, you're most likely going to share once this is over? Yeah, so I do have a, um, I just renamed it to Ice Gold, Ice Gold Creamery. Ah. But there are a few flavors that I'm pretty proud of. Like one of them is the Mamba, mm. which is an ube-based ice cream with chunks of leche flan. So the purple and gold. Okay. Um, that was pretty good. You know, that was one of the ones I was working on. And then um, Hood Cookies, which was Hood Famous Ube Cookies and Oreos with a double vanilla base. So that was cool. But yeah, again, I was kind of gaining a little bit too much weight. So I had to it back real quick. Hey, if it's good, I'm fucking down. So count me in once that's uh, once that's in the process. Next year, I'll drop one off, bro. Next right. year, for sure. And then, yeah, recently, like, like to take it back to like a real talk, like I, yeah. after a while, man, I was in this like kind of... I don't know, tailspin in a way where like I wasn't meant to physically feeling good. And that led me to not mentally feel good. And then at the same time, work was really stressful. So we recently got a Peloton. Oh yeah. How is it? Incredibly helpful. Like I am on like a 16 day streak. Oh shit. I paired that with keto. Um, I'm using um, Factor Meals, which is like a meal subscription. And um, in the last like three weeks, I'm down about 15 pounds, man. And I feel feel fucking great. Yeah. yeah. No, it just sounds like you're finally finding that balance. You know what I mean? And I, you know, that's real that a lot of us are just struggling to, you know, you can't get your everyday back from, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever, yeah. but uh, just trying to see what works. And it sounds like you're back on track. So congrats, dude. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm just trying to get ready for when we're allowed into the world again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like a concept that does, I can't even wrap my head around that. It's like, wait. Like when? Like, I know. This- like how soon? Like, am I going <laughs> to? 
And I think that's the worst thing about the pandemic is there's no like finite (laughs) into this. Like we'll never really know. No. And that's something that just be able to chew on. Like, and you got to deal with that. That's what sucks. Like anxiety is such a real thing right now. So it's amplified, man. But for sure. You just got to create the space to really reflect and see what you really need. So, yeah. Again, it's nice to hear that because I'm sure we're going to eventually go over that. And <laughs> that that comes from somewhere. I like, like, I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah. You were talking about the ice cream making thing. Uh, do you have any social media that you want to plug just real quick? Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I, I just changed the name. It's Iced Gold Creamery. Uh-huh. So, you know, what's cooler than being cool? Ice gold. And I'm, I love gold. <laughs> This is no uh, surprise to you, Mac, but gold's my, my favorite color and, you know, try to be punny, but that's what it is, man. <laughs> I like it. No, it has a ring to it, if anything. I'll share this with you. Like one of my low-key dreams, mm. and I feel like we're going to do it one of these days, is actually have an ice cream parlor. Ah. Like one of those old school ice cream places, the kind of retro feel, but yeah. So that's that's something we're looking towards. No, I can see that. <laughs> Maybe when I retire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if anything, I just look forward to like the slow grind in that, you know? Everyone's got to have their side hustle sometime. And, you know <laughs> I mean? and But it makes sense for you because like I said, like you're a fan of very luxurious things so i i can see you putting that spin in there and it's like whoa this is different from everyone else's yeah man you know it's, it's like i like the idea of taking something that's very mundane or very comfortable and elevating it you know so that's the idea there in your own way yeah exactly so you know yeah we'll see <laughs> let's kind of go over like when did we first meet it was a high school from what i know but I mean, just real quick, I know you're a friend of my cousin back in the day, and I swear yeah. we met each other like once as kids. Yeah. And then we re-met in high school. So yeah, do you have any early memories of our friendship or whatnot? Bro, so the earliest memory that I can probably recall is either meeting you at your cousin's house. They had a housewarming. Yeah, it was a town, they're a townhouse, yeah. Um, and then there was another time at somebody's funeral one of your relatives funeral that yeah. we were there. And I think we were all playing in the, the I don't know, the, the wait reception room or the waiting room. That's definitely my grandpa's. And yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a long time ago as well. Yeah. So I was like, we were kids, bro. Like, man, we were like single digits at that point. Yeah. yeah. Fast forward. Um, I, I just recognized your, your last name. And I was right. like, yeah, you know, you know, your cousin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess that's how we bonded really. Like, yeah. it's, you know, your sister was a senior when I was a freshman, I believe. Right. Um, so I didn't really talk to her. But when you came two years later, that's when I really started getting to know you. God, early memories, man. I feel like, <laughs> I don't know, it was all a blur back then. Maybe you have a memory that like maybe by jog my, I'm an old man now. <laughs> I guess it's just meeting you through Patrick and Rainier. Nope. Better question is like memorable ones with you. I mean, I'll just start like fucking when we made... Uh, those videos, like, Yo. <laughs> I think we called it Bloody Pace. Bloody Pace, because uh, of uh, Pacquiao. Pacquiao, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, fuck, we were just like messing around one day. I think it was like me, you, Hernan, and Paulo. We made a Christmas video, and then we made like an action McDonald's video. It's it's hard to explain. <laughs> For what it was, man, that was that was great production value. Man. The resources that we had, oh yeah, <laughs> man, I've always wanted to like I don't know, it was all like I've always wanted to be in a movie or something. Also, like another dream of mine, but yeah, that was the closest thing I've ever come to. <laughs> but we would have some like random ass nights like that, dude, and just either shoot the shit or 
shoot a video like yeah. that or just you know I, rem- I remember even like recording with michael like songs <laughs> into it. <laughs> yo i was i actually asked him about that a month ago yeah, yeah. so what jedrick's referring to is we did like a mary what's it called like a nursery rhyme right? nursery rhyme rap and it was very adult content because we were just <laughs> it was like a parody mary uh whatever mary had a little or mary mary quite contrary yeah yeah <laughs> We were literally opened up like a web browser with um <laughs> with uh like the nursery rhymes and trying to remix them. We always like some stupid shit, man. <laughs> but yeah. I would like the creative aspect though, because like you man, you were really like tech savvy. You knew you had the equipment. <laughs> Michael and, and Paulo were always like really like they're musically inclined and I was and I was just loud and out there, so you know. Nah, you're down to be part of it as well. I mean, it wouldn't have been complete without you, you know? Like that's no, what made the experience so fun. Like we all had something to bring to the table. That was different, you know what I mean? Hundred percent. But yeah, all of us together, it was awesome, man. It was, <laughs> I think it was like the early stages of what you got going on right now, you know. Which is funny to think about sometimes, but yeah. Like we all have evolved in our own way. Um that's mm-hmm. why this our conversation will be interesting for me too, because you know, as we've gotten older, like we've all evolved so much. Yeah. I think I read this quote the other day where it was saying, like, whoever you were, like less than 10 years ago, like you're a completely different person. <laughs> Either for the good or bad. But if anything, like I know we definitely have been focused on our shit, whatever that really means to each of us. 100%. You know, it, it shows in what we're doing, not necessarily showing through social media, yeah. but you know, when we do catch up, like once in a blue moon, we'll just be like, what are you up to? It's like, that's cool, man. Like the fact that you're still focused on that major goal. It's humbling to know that we're still on track. You know what I mean? 100%, man. Yeah. And I'm like, very thankful for all of my, like my tribe of people. Yeah, that I, for sure. Everyone is doing that same thing. And I'm very proud of everyone in their own right. So you, man, you at the top of that list too. So for sure. You as well. So just kind of recapping the reason why I invited Jedrick is just an all around likable dude. I mean, we can all agree to that. So what I've come to learn, though, is that there's so much more in depth of the way that he thinks and the way that he moves in his own life. I wouldn't say it's in a flashy, bold way, but I I, I mean, maybe maybe sometime. But, you know, at the end of the day, this guy is grinding on his own time, which not everybody sees. And I think that's where the real magic has happened, especially in your life. Thank you. Again, yeah. So that's over the years. So on the surface, though, I know he's like a very big Disney <laughs> fanatic. So you may hear that in here. For all the listeners out there, I'm like wearing a Lakers Mickey shirt right now. Like, <laughs> like that's what I was about to say. Like, you're a loyal Lakers fan. That's the second point that I had. So you're good. My two favorite things, Lakers and Disney on the same shirt. So I'm happy. <laughs> and then you're a lover of food or just, you know, just any type of ice cream connoisseur as well. Love food, love for sure and then you also have that creative side too so i know you've been big on photography writing another thing i want to pick at you eventually is just like what you feed your mind with because you've always been big on you know self-help books and i know you're feeding your mind with something that you know eventually somebody should hear so just being inspired by that or motivated by that absolutely but yeah so just tell me where that hardworking, big on being an individual and just making taking your own spin on things just tell me how that kind of came from from childhood and then we can kind of go from there yeah man childhood was was very interesting man so my like backstory on this like my my family my mom my dad and my two sisters as well my family moved from the philippines to america in like i want to say like the mid 80s i forget what date 
the the funny thing is they moved to California first, which is probably ah. yeah. My dad worked at LAX like straight up. They they like just a stone's throw away from like the sunset, like from Sunset Boulevard. Like my blood runs deep from in LA. So like you know if you. That's a little known fact, but uh, <laughs> so that's why I like that's part of the reason why I like the Lakers so much. And then, you know, my, mo- my mom and my two sisters moved up to Seattle and then my dad followed later on um, mm. when I was born. So, you know, my, my sisters, they're way older than me. One of my sisters is 14 years older and the other one is 19 years older. So like when I was walking around the mall with my oldest sister, they would think that I was her kid because yeah, I was her mom or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I like to say that I grew up with three moms rather than one mom and two sisters. For sure, yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of sacrifice with my family, like, just like everybody. Like, this is the, the typical Asian-American story, right? Like, you know, your your family, your generations before you sacrificed moved to America to make a good life for you. So I was definitely part of that same story because, you know, I was the youngest. I was the only boy. They, I feel like they, in, in many ways, they moved here for me, really. So from the very beginning, there was a lot of obviously pressure, like a lot of instilling in me that like you, you are our hope. Like we moved here to give you a good life. Sure. And not only was there the pressure, there was also the accountability because I had four parents, right? Three moms. Bas- yeah. Dad, right. Right. They did a lot. They, they sacrificed a lot. You know, my, my, my sisters didn't get to go to a private school. They didn't get to go to university. Like I'm the only one who went to a private school, got a university, things like that. So I was always given the most opportunities and I owe it to my family to capitalize on that. Um, (laughs) I think the other thing, like that's the typical Asian American story, right? But I think there's another side that's unique to me in a way. Sure. Yeah. I was about to say, tell me your narrative. Yeah. yeah. So there's another side of that. Like that is all, all of what I just said is very true. Right. The other side of the story is that my mom, she worked at the Four Seasons for 13, 14 years, like a large chunk of her life. And, you know, because of that, she would always get the hookup. So we'd be staying at the Four Seasons in Beverly Hills. Oh, shit. Nice. Four Seasons on Newport Beach, like all the nicest Four Seasons, but for dirt cheap. Like we were paying Motel 6 prices for Four Seasons <laughs> shit, right? So I grew up tailored. In a way, like this is the life that you could live. Like you could, they they exposed me to all these like awesome things. Like I had steak at 13, like, you know, uh, 13 year old ordering ribeye. Like who the fuck do you think you are? You know, shit like that. Like, but they always, there was always two things that my parents instilled in me. Like A, we do these things, but you got to earn it. And B, like, if you want to keep up this lifestyle, you got to work for it. Hmm. So, you know, some people like, I'll admit it, like I'll spoil to an extent. I, I had all these opportunities and whatnot, but like I was always instilled that this could be taken away from you if you don't work hard for it. So, you know, I think that the, the combination of the pressure, the accountability, plus, you know, the, I guess it sounds harsh, but like the threat of it getting taken away, all kind of tailored my mind to like always be doing something to guard what I have in a way, you know, and, and gain more like a life order in a way, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. so yeah, I would say those are like the two stories that really contributed to where I am today. Um, and it's a snowball effect, right? You just take that through the different um, chapters of your life. So, so kind of reiterating what you're talking about. So you're saying it was kind of like, since your two siblings were so much older than you, it's kind of like you had four parents in a way. So kind of take me to that experience really quick. So how was that as a kid? Like, how would you even describe that relationship? And then how would you describe 
this is kind of two questions. Describe how that affected how you were as a person. Like, how would you describe yourself as a person then? Man, so, you know, it was really funny how things like evolved throughout the years. Like when I was really young, my oldest sister was the spoiling type. Like she would give me everything. Like I would get all the pirate Legos when I was a kid, like (laughs) wrestling action figures, stuff like that. She would definitely be like the one to spoil me for that. And then my middle sister, you know, she, she was the disciplinarian. I was about to ask you, there's gotta be a balance. hundred percent. man. Like, <laughs> she was definitely a disciplinarian. And like, I think I spent the most time with her cause she actually lived with us a uh, lot. And maybe my oldest sister had a little bit of guilt cause she moved out of the house yeah. and she didn't get to see me. So she was trying to compensate Sure. while my middle sister was like, yo, you are annoying the hell out of me. <laughs> like we gotta, you know, shake you up, things right. like that. And then my mom and dad being like so much older, they almost felt like grandparents in a way. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, I don't know. I think I learned a lot of balance from both of them, for sure. Like how to be very affectionate and, you know, um, show your love and um, this, that and the other. While you also have to set boundaries and, you know, you can't always be fun. You got to work and play at the same, you know, in, in tandem in a way. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And then my again, my parents, my mom was very much like my oldest sister. She was definitely the the, the spoiling, coddling type yeah. to a fault. Like she was worried about me every single freaking things I did. <laughs> and then my dad was definitely the disciplinarian without a doubt. He could get really scary. But yeah, that's my dad. So I, I don't know. It's all about balance. Yeah. Again, I think having three moms and one dad definitely gave me insight into the the way that, you know, femininity and that and that stuff and then my dad hyper masculine right uh, i guess that's how we would balance each other but yeah how would you describe yourself as a as a kid and then kind of let me know how that has kind of evolved to who you are like were you were you an outgoing guy back then like i don't <sighs> man no i wasn't i was the shyest dude ever like at family parties i would be the one hiding behind my mom's leg mm. i was so i had such stage fright I don't know, hyperventilating before like a school play. I can remember this vividly in my head. Yeah. I was very, very shy, you know, but you know, when, when I uh, opened up a little bit, I was pretty out there. I was pretty flamboyant. I was pretty, you know, vocal. Like I knew what I liked. I was, I was pretty articulate, I would say. Like, you know, I, I knew what I liked and I knew what I didn't. And I would tell you straight up, <laughs> but I really, honestly, I didn't find my voice until it was really sophomore year when I came out of my shell and realized like, you know, I had a voice. I found my voice in a way. So yeah, kind of take me through that. Cause my question, like, what was the, I don't like to give it one moment, like a defining moment. Yeah. Right. But you know, there's yeah, yeah. always a time where, cause I like to see it as, depending on how self-aware that you are, which you clearly are, I guess we're kind of similar just real quick because we kind of internalize and then we kind yeah. of think what's the next move. And that doesn't necessarily for me come right away. But once I've decided, I've fucking decided, you know what I mean? And then I, 100%. you know what I mean? And that's something that I know kind of stems from my childhood, but kind of going to you, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was always a, an urge to like come out and be like, man, I just want to be myself and not fear that judgment of others so how did that kind of lead to your sophomore year like you're saying because i'm sure that's kind of been a ongoing occurrence in your life geez because like growing up like i went to public school a lot of people don't know this but i hadn't been um in private school my whole life and those schools are so big and there's so many minorities and you know it's just you're just another face in the crowd really you know and it was hard to stick out 
Um, you kind of like, and man, I call my middle school years my kind of my lost years because like I would just stick to a group and kind of try to fade in the background in a way. I'm going to take it back to high school. I think the stat was 6% minority. Man, like you stood out whether you wanted to I was about to, to say, it's not, fucking easy bro. to stand out there, bro. It's easy, bro. It's but it's like not for crazy. a good reason if you get what I'm saying. No, 100% not. But like, you know, my freshman year, like everyone had known each other at freshman year, right? Because they came from the other private schools in the area. I was one of the few that came from public school. So, so you know, I was feeling it out freshman year a lot and kind of just trying to see where I belonged in a way. And I, a lot of the times I would stick, go back to my old ways of just hanging out with Rainier, yeah. Chris and Brian and Pat and all them. Like, Well, Pat came sophomore year. Right. But, you know, that, that same group of people and just really found a comfort zone in a way. But it was really this teacher in sophomore year. Her name was uh, Ms. Baumgartner, mm. but she was a, a language arts teacher. So she was really nice. And like, you know, I like school, so I would participate and especially English. Like I love English. I love words. I love reading. I love, you know, writing and whatnot. So right. she definitely saw something in me that I didn't even see myself and came down to sophomore cabinet elections. It was like ASB, but for the sophomore cabinet, be the representative for that. And there was like six of us um, that were, you know, could, we would be elected to be part of that cabinet. And Ms. Baum, she walked up to me with the application and was like, yo, hey, I think you'd be a great fit for this. You know, you're you're very articulate. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to say what she said because she was beating my own. Or she was gassing me up. <laughs> yeah, I remember her being a really upfront teacher, especially. Yeah. So especially coming from a teacher like that, like I, mm -hmm. I would definitely take that as a compliment for sure. No, man, she was she was gassing me up for sure. And, you know, I think she caught me at a perfect time where I was trying to find my voice, like I said, like and I wrote my speech and I delivered my I, I remember this vividly. I was in front of the entire uh, sophomore class. So like, you know, like what, 400 people. And I barely knew 90% of them because <laughs> I'd stick with my own group. Of course. But I delivered my first line and I forgot what the first line was, but it was a joke and everyone started laughing. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like, I, I, this is, this is, this is my voice, I guess. So, you know, I got through the, the speech and um, I was elected. From there, dude, like all the opportunities came. And it just it just took a little bit of nudging and a little bit of helping me realize that there is something inside me I have to share. And I, I, I couldn't even see it myself. So you value mentors. Uh, you value other people's perspective that have been there. So right. I really owe it to Miss Bomb. Legit, man. I wouldn't be here without her. Swear to God. I'm kind of going off of that. Like, what are some mentors, I guess, overall, other than Miss Bomb, like, just kind of so some people who have lifted you along the way and have really encouraged you to maybe pursue something that they clearly could see about yourself that you couldn't at the time or yeah. kind of like what you said that were nudging you to be more public about, you know, a certain way about yourself. So I'm going to take it back to high school again. And you remember this person very clearly, I'm sure, man. It was Mr. Shaw. Yeah. So Mr. Shaw was the dean of men. Right. It was kind of like the men's principal, if you guys don't know what the dean of men is. But he was African American. He's black. Right. And at a at a predominantly white school. Right. And he, like, I mean, I'll say less. Like, I don't have to say anymore. Right. Yeah. He was an authority figure in a predominantly white school. So in a way, man, like he he was experiencing what I was experiencing just on that admin level. Right. Oh, yeah. And then having to deal with us like stupid ass high school kids. Right. 
he was the, I don't know what the word is, but um, he was kind of like the staff person who took care of the diversity club. Yeah. And back in the day, it was called the MCAC, the Multicultural Awareness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, right? Some PC shit, yeah. Yeah, right? But then it became the diversity club, and he was like kind of at the, the front of that. And he was another guy that like I would, man, I would spend hours after school just in his office just talking about life, you know? you know, talking about what I've experienced that day at school. Like, I remember there was one time where I came in pretty distraught because like, you know, we were dancing at one of the dances and like some, somebody walked by and I don't know if you were there, Mac, but uh, they were like all, all these fucking Asians always dancing and shit. And yeah. then I was just livid. And, you know, on Monday I told Mr. Shaw and he was like, he tried to call me down and told me the reality of things. And, you know, it was just, he was always pushing me to be somebody in a sea of almost uh, conflict in a way, right? In a difficult place to be yourself. Hmm. I really resonated with that. And I believed him because he was living it himself. Yeah. He was another guy that I totally look up to. You know, it, it was crazy that one that he was already dealing with that in mm -hmm. real life, like just working there. Yeah. It was also cool that he was able to reflect on that and kind of pass it on to you and just be like, hey, just be aware, like this is bigger than this school. Yeah. If he did take it to that that point, you know what I mean? Like this is a life lesson ultimately is what, yeah. you know, I'm sure you guys kind of went over, but it's things like that, that kind of really change your your view on life. He was like, it was just like never not be yourself. Like that was really the moral of it. He's like, hey man, if you want to wear those Jordans, wear those Jordans, you know, like if you want to say this, say this, you know, right. as long as you're not doing any harm to anybody, if you're just being yourself, your intents are good. Hey man, nobody should dull your sparkle as he would say. How would you say your courage in yourself and like your belief in yourself has kind of evolved since then? Because uh, just kind of from an outsider's perspective, I do know that as we went into college and we went to different colleges, yeah. but you were also part of the Filipino United Filipino club. Yeah. UFC that didn't fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the nonviolent UFC and, exactly. um, and then just being involved in student government in that, in a sense, and being part of leadership was a theme that I saw in your life and just being able to have that confidence in front of a lot of people and not necessarily boast, but really just, be able to to walk the walk at the end of the day because you were <laughs> you're one of those people who yeah you're a leader at, in some sense but yeah. as a leader as a true leader I I like to believe if you're not down there doing the dirty work and yeah. being part of the team yeah. you're not a true leader and I definitely saw you you know always busting your ass trying to promote things and then trying to actually do the logistics behind that in some sense. Like, I don't know everything behind that. But yeah, if you can talk on behalf of that. It's been a journey, man. Like, I think the the leadership spilled over into Seattle University. Again, it was just like finding that place where you try to belong. It's just, for me, it's like, it's it's not finding a thing. It's finding the right thing. And like something that you're so passionate about that you're like willing and, and like very enthusiastic about like shouting it to the the mountaintops you know and i found that like my culture was like one of those things that i would just be so proud of that i want everybody to hear about it so you know i think it it started the leadership part started from just being passionate about what you're doing and what i've learned in life you know i've passion is infection and there are so many people that came before me in mm -hmm. all these different organizations that we're passionate and that passion transferred over to me. It's just like fire that, you know, you keep, it's like, like literally passing the torch. Right. There's so many people like that 
passed it to me and made me passionate about what we're doing. So it was easy in that sense, just to, you know, fall in love with something and just shout it to the, the, the mountaintops. And I think, I think passion is the hardest thing to, to really develop in leadership. And then all the other things you can learn. And I'm not going to lie, I, was, I haven't been the perfect leader in the past, man. There was some really hard lessons, some like very difficult conversations, like sleepless nights, tears, things like that. That's the stuff you don't see necessarily. Um, but I think it all just stems from being passionate about what you do. And other people will look to you, especially younger generation, to kind of fall in that, in that like, hey, I want what he wants that he has. Like, I want to be a part of this too. So... I think that's my mentality on leadership, like be passionate about it yourself, believe in it fully. And then, you know, all those tools, the logistics, the communication, um, the cadence of things, like how to prepare, how to plan, that all comes from experience and like hard fought lessons, you know. So you just got to put yourself out there and find something that you're really passionate about before you can really lead, I think. If you can kind of pinpoint it and I'm kind of putting on the hot seat. Yeah, please. What do you feel like you're passionate about? So correct me if I'm wrong, but I do know you've been a big advocate on, you know, social justice and diversity. Yeah. Maybe it kind of stems from that or <laughs> man, I'm curious. You know what I'm passionate about? I think I'm just passionate about people being people and doing what they love. You know, I think I, I, I learned at a very early age, like we kind of talked about that, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's easy to feel I don't know what the word is, but like, it's easy to feel like you don't belong. And a lot of that is internal. Like that's stuff that you create in your own mind. Mm. But what I'm really passionate about is is like people doing them, you know, as long as it does no harm and you know, you have some intentionality behind it. Like if you are intentionally being you and being passionate about what you do and you have a reason behind all that, amen. That's all I could ever want for somebody. Right, right. Um, and you could take that same principle and put it into race. You could put that into culture. You could put that into what ice cream flavor you like. Stand up for who you are, but also back it up and have like be fully behind it, you know, and have reasons behind it. Right. You can articulate. So that's what I'm all about. It could be bigger. And again, it, it could it could fit into different molds. But when you try to boil it down, that's really what it comes down to, man. Yeah. Not being afraid of who you are. So I feel like it's a little simpler, easier for you to say that with conviction. (laughs) I feel that maybe the reason is because you've always had a positive community behind you. Yes, correct me if I'm I'm wrong. Absolutely, absolutely. You definitely seem like once you have the right group of people around you that are able to accept you for what you are, not necessarily Mm. because you need that to to fully thrive. But just to kind of just kickstart that courage and comfortability to be able to bring out the best in you. Kind of take me through that. Like, what's your view on, let's just start with friends. I mean, the most basic thing, like, what's the importance of friends and not necessarily having like-minded friends, but having supportive friends? Because I feel like that's something that I've noticed is big with you. Once you're in, not not a group, but just once you're around a supportive community, I guess we can say. I can see you thrive the most. And I've seen that as like as friendships, but also in work. And that's something that you seem to gravitate to. So I'm curious if you can talk on behalf of that. Oh, man, it's everything, man. I mean, I am nothing without my my community, without the people around me. Like, I am nothing. And I'll, I'll say that to you straight up to your face. Like, And that's really humbling to say, too. It really is, man. Life is, is, is collaborative, right? Hell yeah. You know, like we... <laughs> 
sorry for the corny uh, quote, but your your tribe determines your vibe, right? Mm. And I believe that whatsoever, like wholeheartedly. And you mentioned like like-minded people. I don't really subscribe to that, you know, and I, I'm sure you agree as well. Yeah. Like, I think one thing I learned very early during my time at WeWork, there was a quote that somebody said, um, I think it was one of my uh, co-founders was, if you are the smartest person in the room, <laughs> yeah. you're in the wrong room. Yeah. Absolutely. Go to another room, right? right? I never want to be the smartest person. Like, obviously, you want a mentor. You want to, you know, help the, the next generation. Like, I've always been so passionate about that. But I've also been a very passionate mentee. Mm. Like, you know, like, that's just as important, if not more important than being a mentor, because if you're not a good mentee, then you can't be a good mentor, right? Right, right. So, man, I'm just so blessed and proud and just, it's immeasurable, like, how thankful I am for my my community of people, like, geez, from work to personal to, ev- like, everybody's a go-getter. Everybody checks in with everybody. Everybody is positive. Everybody, um, you know, tells you what you need to hear, too. That's the other thing. I've had some really hard conversations with some of my friends where, like, they're telling me, hey, babe, you're, you're, you're fucking up right now. You need to let go of this. You need to let go of that. I'm, I'm very blessed, man. I, again, I'm not I'm nothing without my my homies, my my fiance, my my awesome co-workers now. Like you strip this all away. I'm nothing, <laughs> you know, so what's the best thing or what's the one thing that you kind of focus on in terms of knowing that you're around the right group? Yeah, it's hard because like sometimes it's a vibe, man. I mean, it's cliche at some point, right? But like the moment you have to, you have to really check in with yourself. That's a really important thing. You do a monthly, weekly, whatever check you want to do, but you have to really take inventory of what you got um, around you. Is that an energy suck or is that an energy build? Or I don't know what the word is, but like, is this adding to my life? Is this making me stressed out? Is this holding me back from what I want to do? Is this adding to my life? Is this making, is this inspiring me? And you can do that with anything, but most importantly, with the people around you, it's like really just taking inventory and creating the space in your mind to take a step back and listen to your body. I mean, your body is <laughs> like, it'll, you'll, you'll feel in your gut, man, <laughs> like sometimes. Yeah, I think it's just like really a conscious effort because sometimes you can forget and like live with somebody who's, you know, I don't think anyone's a poison per se. Right, right. But, you know, like maybe they're a poison for you, you know? Well, it sounds like you're kind of going at like, stay true to your own values and be sure that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> not everybody shares the same exact values of you necessarily sure, exactly. but i feel like at some point if you're feeling more drained than yes inspired maybe yeah yeah from being around like a group of friends for example yeah. i feel like that's kind of a red flag just to be aware of i'm not saying that you should kind of just drop them as friends but I feel like as you get older, would you say that you have a better gauge of that because you've gone through different friendships that were toxic, I guess? I mean, I think uh, especially during the pandemic, man, like you really know who's real and and good for you uh, versus who, you know, might fall by the wayside. And like, here's another you're going to see you're going to hear a lot of quotes from me. But like if life's an elevator, sometimes you have to let people off, you know, on the way up. Right. Right. I think the one piece is being aware of those people that add energy and inspire you versus the people that do the opposite. But it's also another piece to have the courage to step away and distance yourself from things that are draining you. Mm. And that's, that's almost hard. I would say that's harder than actually realizing 
right? Right. So it's twofold, man. Like, and I, I think as I've grown older, like I've done a better job of identifying things and I've, I've said no more often than I've said yes. And I think that's a practice that we all have to build at some point when you when we get older, if we want to live a healthy lifestyle. Because back in the day, back in college, it's like, oh, you want a drink? You want to have a party? Right, like, right. let's go. Yeah, yeah. And I always say yes, right? Otherwise, you're, you ain't down. Yeah. Nowadays, man, you have to be just so intentional. And you really do have to take these mental inventory checks. Right. And then have the courage to say no. Right. And I feel like that also comes with like, at a certain point, like you just kind of have to focus on yourself and know your self-worth. And I feel like that's what you were really building or hopefully that's something that you build on as you get older, you know? hundred percent. And it's funny that, sorry, just real quick. It's funny that you said it's after college because I feel like you grow the most after college because life is so drastic. Man, that's such a, that's a good point though, because like from kindergarten or preschool all the way to college, you're in a simulated environment (laughs) where you have classes with people and you have groups and you have sports (laughs) and you have clubs and like you are forced to be in a captive, like as you're, you're forced to be a captive audience around people. But when you're in call after college, it's like, after you graduate, it's like, fuck, (laughs) this is the real world. There's no, now what? Now what? Exactly. You know, I wish I could go to art class. Yeah. So-and-so, but you can't do that. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I agree. In terms of drive and motivation, because I know you feel strongly about these things, what what kind of drives you um, and motivates you today? Drives me and motivates me today. I think like, (laughs) I think there's been a definite shift from, you know, high school, college days to becoming a true adult where you stop thinking about the immediate and you start thinking about the long game. Hmm. So like, you know, Back in the day, you know, you, you have these grand dreams of like, I'm going to be a doctor one day, this, that, and the other, but it's so distant. It's like after college, eventually. Right. But like now that after college, after you graduate, after you have your first job, after you have life experience, you're like thinking, damn, like I got to, you know, I'm not getting any younger. Like I got to work extra hard. Yeah. Like it's really just thinking about my future self and trying to set myself up for success, you know? I think a couple of like the, the major goals for me right now are like moving to California, um, you know, obviously buy a house down there, settle down, have family. So those are the things that I'm thinking of and like really living a life that doesn't like that where I don't want anything. I think that's the biggest thing. And I think that that goes back to the life lesson that my mom taught me by exposing me to all these like awesome things in life. Right. I'd never want to lose that. So really just like sustaining that and living a life where I don't have to want, my family doesn't have to want, my loved ones, my friends don't have to want. That's really the bigger goal. Hmm. But it's just really funny how it transforms from in high school and college, you're just like thinking about now all the way to becoming an adult where you're just like, man, this is the long game now. <laughs> so it's such a new muscle too. I feel like yeah. after you have, I mean, just kind of relating that to my life, like I, I think our 10 year reunion was up already from high oh, school shoot. <laughs> and I feel like it's a, you have to look at it as like a, ch- that chapter of your life is over. Yes. Yes. Nowadays I'm thinking like, I'm a totally different person, but you, you just kind of have to prepare for the next steps and whatever mm-hmm. that is for some people, they may not know, they may know. And it's like, are you going to let that paralyze you or are you going to use it as fuel as in like, man, it's time to shape up like life. Yeah. Life isn't set anymore. And again, throw on the pandemic on top of that. Like life is not certain either. So I guess it's kind of like a morality thing too. What do you want out of this in hope that, you know, I mean, this is kind of grim, but like that we all make it out, but you know what I mean? (laughs) It's like now 
uh, going back to what you said, living with more intention is what I my mindset is on. Because again, this pandemic has changed so much about my mindset on what I want in this life necessarily. Yeah, and you know, like it's it's tough because I had this moment where it's like shit, my life as I knew it is over. Legit, like I can't party like that. I can't eat five chicken wings at Hooters no more. Like I can't (laughs) do the things that I used to love doing. But now it's it's been a shift, and a lot of people will think of that as like a negative shift. Like oh man, you know, and they're always trying to relive their 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 twenties. And you know, if you really accept not accept, but like if you really embrace, you know, all the opportunities you have as an adult and see it from that lens. It's really just a matter of perspective, you know. So in terms of perspective <laughs> segue and mindset. <laughs> yeah. And there's a reason why you have all these quotes. So let's just <laughs> go to the source. So what are some books or self-help <sighs> uh, material or I don't know, master classes if you do that? Like what are some things that you have kind of immersed yourself with? Because oh, again, man. there's a lot of conviction in the way that you speak, but I'm curious like <laughs> where that kind of stems from. Like I'm sure being around, you know, your parents as well as your older siblings, they gave a lot of life lessons to you. And mm-hmm. then obviously like Mr. Shaw and Miss yeah. Baum, like those were adults that, you know, helped you kind of organize your thoughts in a way. But then it came down to you living those experiences and then actually having the proof that these life lessons are real and you kind of have to go through your own version of it to really resonate. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are some uh, material that you've immersed yourself in? I would say I'm pretty unorthodox because, you know, I, I'm not really no, – no offense to this, but like I don't yeah. really listen to podcasts much. Yeah. You know, like that's not my media – my form of media that I intake. Right. I think books were huge for me for sure and we could talk about some of those. Same, yeah. <laughs> Pinterest was very helpful. <laughs> um, you know, like, you know, your daily quotes, things like that. All this aside, like, I think just like conversations mm. are the biggest thing. Like you can, re- you could read books forever and ever, but like, if you don't talk to somebody who's had real life experience and put yourself in their shoes, that's the biggest thing, the, the biggest avenue of my learning for sure. Mm. But as far as like hard media, <laughs> like I think books have been like kind of my thing. I'm like a hard copy book kind of guy no kindles or anything like that um i have a library that i'm looking at right now yeah what's a top recommended book that uh maybe you can pass on to whoever's listening um i think one of the best like starter books is how to win friends and uh i always forget the title and how to win friends and uh influence people by by dale carnegie sure i don't know if you've read that that one's classic but i always mess up the title i mean it's just like what's the spark notes on that <laughs> like i've read it a couple times now like i every time you read it you feel stupid because <laughs> it is just the most simplest ideas dude sometimes but that's all you it don't takes think it's about crazy. it yeah exactly yeah. so like the how to be more like social more likable how to you know interact with people but ideas like smiling more <laughs> like or using the person's name in a in a sentence when you're talking to them right like those kinds of things are so fucking simple and mundane but we don't think about it and use it in practice so that's that's one of the ones a big book in my life has been the five love love languages mm. and you know if you haven't heard that there's like five different languages that you speak to show love and receive love from others right and that helped me especially after <laughs> i'm not gonna get too deep into this but after like breakups for for example like you can kind of 
again, take mental inventory of, oh man, I could have done this better, or this is what I was lacking and I could have articulated that and right. explained it. Um, so that's another one. Jeez, uh, man, I'm like, I'm like looking at all my books right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess the shout out to the this last one, we could talk more if you want, but sure. I think the last one that I have to mention is The Alchemist. That is a totally like fiction book, right? But do explain that one. Um, it's funny because I actually brought that up to my sister the other day, and that is part of the reading material for high school <laughs> that we went through. <laughs> um, but funny story, I didn't actually read it, <laughs> I, bro. I didn't either. <laughs> like, like who the who actually like? I think they assigned that at the wrong yeah. freaking time in your life. Oh hell yeah! I mean, come on, I'm I'm not gonna read this summer reading book like who does that really like right. honestly if you do that big ups to you i never <laughs> yeah, did yeah but it's a, know, it's ahead of its time let's just say that for our lives and it's funny because every time you read it like let's say you're in a different stage in your life you get something different from it and i'll be the first to admit i don't know off the top of my head what the fuck the plot was like, <laughs> yeah. a lot of the shit right. is like hazy to me right um i know there's a guy with the, with the journey and there's like some you know wizards and magic and things right. like that but like it's really the the themes that resonated the most with me. And it's really, man, this is some very high level existential shit, but yeah, like, go for it. it's, it's just the idea of being true to yourself first and foremost, and like really trying to find, you know, what your calling in life is. And, you know, at the same time, not stressing too much about that. A lot of people get hung up in like, what is my passion? Mm. But if you move with intentionality and love and and leverage the energies of the universe, again, very existential shit. But like, sure. if you move with positivity and love, like the, the world, the universe will help you and guide you to where you need to be. So you don't really have to try so hard all the time. You know, that's what I got from it. Right. I could talk to somebody and they get something completely different. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the book. So it's an easy read. I read it again. Like the last time I read it was like on a flight, <laughs> like to Vegas. So um, it's not, you know, it's not anything super hard, but you get something different. And it's very high level. I mean, I probably should read it again, but uh, The Alchemist, <laughs> if anybody missed that, is definitely a uh, highly recommended book. Going off of that, like, it's funny because I feel like we've always talked about this in some sense, mm -hmm. probably when I was, you know, dealing the most in college and whatnot, just trying to yeah. really figure out like what you want to do um, career wise, but also get a better grasp of like who you are and what you want. Mm -hmm. So I know you're a big advocate of just trying to think positively and yeah. just, just knowing that that kind of affects your... I guess not necessarily the outcome in your world, but I feel like with a positive attitude, you kind of get more opportunities and putting it into the out into the world and create that existence. Yeah. So what's your take on that? I'm curious because, uh, again, like we can dive deeper another time regarding this, but I just want to know your yeah, initial reactions and thoughts on this. Bro, I think, and again, this kind of takes it back to this alchemist stuff, but like it's very high level that, you know, what you put out into the world will come back to you. I'm a firm believer in that, man. And, you know, like you kind of alluded to, like, I think that the positivity does create positive outcomes and not positive per se, but like your perception of that outcome will be more positive. Right. Somebody else might, a negative person might see that same outcome and say, oh, that sucks. Yeah. You, you, you fail, right? <laughs> right? But you in your mind, if you create this positive environment in your mind, no matter what happens, it's always going to be good. Yeah. It might not be as good as what you had originally hoped for but it's always going to be good and there's always going to be a silver lining if you train your mind to think that way 
you know, it, and it's, it's, it's fucking hard. I'm not going to lie, you know. What but, would you say is the hardest part about it? Is it more of people reacting to that and kind of you having your doubts or, you know, because that's my initial thoughts on that. I think a couple of things like a and this is very normal. The people's other people's perception weighs very heavily on how you feel about something. Oh, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. So if you're a fair, like, this is no secret, but if you're afraid of what somebody will think, then anything you do is not going to be good enough, yeah. right? And if you subscribe to their thoughts, then that's when you're already fucking screwed yourself, right? The other thing too is I think people dwell on, and I am, man, I am a victim of this myself. Sure. I feel like people dwell on their initial gut reaction to things. And usually, you know, sometimes you, I, I'm a very strong proponent of following your intuition. Right. It's more so like the reaction, the initial like, reaction like let's say something happened um that you didn't want to happen you immediately feel something and that's natural um but you dwell on that initial feeling you don't have the foresight to step back and think about and analyze what actually did happen right. and the opportunities that way and that's a hard that's the hard muscle to flex because you dwell on that knee-jerk reaction pretty heavily right yeah man i think it's just a matter of living life for yourself not worrying so much about what other people think. Not worrying so much because it does matter. To an extent, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. But yeah, don't let it paralyze you. Yeah, don't let it paralyze you. And then the other, uh, the other side of it is like, hey, pause. This happened, but you know, take a step back. And the other, and I, I will add one more to it. I think coming to grips with the idea that no plan will ever come to fruition exactly the way you planned it. You already manage your own expectations hmm. and just allowing yourself to say, you know, it's okay if this doesn't go that my way or the way that I originally planned it, um, it's still going to be okay. I mean, do you have an experience that you can kind of give a, a tangible example of that? Because I feel like to be able to say something like that, there's, I'm sure there's something that uh, oh, man. you've gone through where you felt strong about that, that lesson. Man, I could talk about like like former breakups, like in high school, like I bro broke up with somebody or she broke up with me and I felt like I was going to die. And I feel like everyone can resonate with this yeah. for the most part, like losing somebody or something that you care so much about and it's just being gone and you're being dwell dwelling on that. Right. But then after a while, life continues and you realize that things do get better with time. And, you know, there, there's been breakups, there have been jobs that I've lost, there have been, you know, um, games that I lost, like, think, like a lot of micro and macro, big and small things that have happened to me that you take mental inventory after each thing, but you realize that things get better with time and your mindset will allow you to accelerate that process. So if you're in this mindset where, oh, my life is never going to get better, it's not going to get better. It's going to suck for you. And, but, you know, on the other side, if you believe that things are going to get better, you dwell on that rather than the dwell on my life is never going to get better. And you have something to latch onto, to anchor to. And, you know, when an end point is more tangible, you're more likely to work harder to get to that end point. Hmm. There's a lot of stuff there, but does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like, I mean, if anything... It kind of resonates with who you are in terms of you're pretty organized for the most part, but it's also being prepared. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like that speaks strongly in your life because you like to be prepared for, you know, you want to make it count. Like, I get that. 
And, you know, you want to put your best foot forward, which is what I know about you. You know what I mean? Thank you. Thank and you. so it, it only makes sense to want to grasp onto concepts or mindsets that will strengthen you ultimately because mm-hmm. it's preparing you for bigger things in life. I'm not saying that you should, you know, freak out about these things or mm-hmm. like be like, oh, maybe I should prepare myself in terms of, you know, if this bad thing were to happen, like you're you're not coming with a mindset that like, you're waiting for the next big thing to drop. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, what did I learn about this? You know what I mean? But it's also like taking things for what it is, but also having, um, you know, material or whatever or advice from people at the back Mm -hmm. of your mind and be like, man, this is what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Again, it's micro and macro, like small things. But I don't know. After a while, you just stop being like in my life. It's like you stop being sad. Like you stop, stop wanting to be sad after a while and you're like dude i'm over this like i I need to i need to get over this like it's a process you're gonna get disappointed in life and it's gonna be the same exact cycle so like in my mind i'm thinking like what's gonna get me through the cycle the quickest and the most painless right and it's just latching on to something positive that end point where everything is good again because it will be so no that shit's real if anything (laughs) i mean i'm kind of a victim of that too you know as Mm-hmm. much conviction that I have in my words, like that comes from a dark place, if I'm honest, you yeah, know, yeah. and I feel like I'm not here to ask you like, what have, what the fuck have you been through? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do you like that. But um, that is something to consider though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like this is kind of being a little meta, but like this podcast is interesting to me because it kind of is a reflection of how I like to live my own life. Like yeah. I like to actually reflect on what i've been through but now i'm learning that like why not just use it in a positive spin all the bad things all the good things that i've been through and kind of tailor that that will benefit me yeah man and you know like if you want to get like into a darker point not that you want to but like in the beginning when i was trying to flex these muscles and build these muscles like i would always think about the worst possible situation And this is like a very morbid way of thinking, right? Like, what is the absolute fucking worst thing that could happen if this doesn't go to my plan? Right. And work backwards from there. Reverse engineer it. Can I I live with that outcome? If I was forced to be in that outcome, how would I survive? Like, how would I finesse that situation, right? You know, that's one of the tools that I took when I was, you know, learning all this shit the hard way, you know? Well, I like, just to add on to that, it's interesting that, that's a logical way of thinking personally. Like, yeah, yeah, I can acknowledge (laughs) that, but then throw like just how natural life is like as much as you have a plan, you got to live it regardless of what happens. So I agree. Yeah, that makes sense. But don't get me wrong. It is good to think that way because (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. (laughs) All right. So I'm just going to go straight to the hard hitters. So what's one life event that you're most thankful for right now? (laughs) I think in recent history, I will talk about like me losing my WeWork job. Like that was very transformative. It was very hard. I had mentioned I lost like 30 pounds at the beginning of the pandemic. I think a big chunk of that was because I was just fearful for my future, my, my, my career future, right? That's real for a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not the only one. That's for damn sure. Like I know a lot of people have been affected by this in different ways. But for me, like that was in a way, stripping my identity and stripping my future. Like I really was Mr. Weaver for a while. And I have nothing but good thoughts and love for that company. It made me who I am today and has really set me up, you know, for my future too. But 
when you lose a job that you feel like you're going to be at forever, it also just unleashes a whole bunch of insecurities, I guess. You know, like I kept asking myself, like, what am I going to do next? Obviously, can I even get another job? Like, is this job is, is all my is my resume only relevant to this one company that I've been at for five years in my entire adult life? Like right. all these questions started coming up and there was a lot of self-doubt and a lot of fear for sure. But I think it also brought, I think it brought those things to the surface, which, you know, I'm a proponent of like always bring your shit up to the surface so you can confront it head on. Mm. So that was really hard. But at the same time, like I realized, I realized my true insecurities and I was able to, you know, get through it. Obviously I'm still getting through it sure. for sure. Like it's always going to be a work in progress and I'm, nobody's ever perfect, but, but yeah, I think finding a new job, loving that new job, getting engaged, you know, living in this awesome place where I live, like this awesome city um, and still achieving things and having life go on and being happy and finding happiness outside of WeWork was probably one of the most eye-opening things I could ever experience, to be honest. Do you think more of your perspective on your identity has changed from that experience? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm Matt, you you might know me as somebody who's like super confident and like outspoken. Sure. And, you know, there there's an aspect of me where I am. But, you know, I, I feel like I'm a deeply flawed person with a lot of insecurities. Again, you're you're a human being. <laughs> no, I get it, bro. Yeah. You know, and I I've had I've had a lot of self-doubt in the past, especially recently because of the pandemic and because of losing my job. But I right. think that this has proved to me this has reaffirmed the fact that, you know, there is a light at the end of every tunnel, like we were kind of talking about a little earlier, right. but also like I am able to achieve things and do, there is a life after we work and I am an individual that is separate from an entity or an organization or a brand. I am my own person with my own things that I can bring to the table. And that was very liberating in a way. But man, there was just a lot of self-doubt that I had to get through to get there for sure. Yeah. I think it's interesting because like that example is very real. So I just appreciate you, you know, being yeah. very transparent about that because, you know, a lot of people I'm sure can resonate with that. Mm -hmm. I think the part that's most interesting is that I feel like, li again, <laughs> being meta here, but sure. I feel like life is interesting because sometimes you relearn old lessons Yes. And I feel like that's one of those moments where it's like, all right, you've gone through this, but let's 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 ramp it up a notch. Like this is real life now, you know what I mean? Yes. And let's put this similar lesson, whatever that was, but in a different context. And that just happened to be work, I feel like. Oh, and so yeah. I'm curious if that kind of brought up a lot of older memories, but also kind of <laughs> gave you comfort because it's in a way, like you've learned that lesson about yourself before or have been you know, I, I'd, I'd be assuming yeah, man. in terms of like, because that kind of brings up like confidence, like let's bring wow. that up or self-identity. So I'm curious if you're able to see that because that's kind of <laughs> where my mind is going at right now. No, man, it's true. Like there was definitely flashbacks when I was going through the whole, the whole ordeal. Mm. And it, there was all good memories. You know, when I closed my first deal, I'm, I'm in sales. So like when I first closed my first deal at my new job, it's like... 
and I still got it. You know, like <laughs> there was that moment, like, oh, I still got it. <laughs> right, so right. that like was a huge confidence boost. And then, you know, similar situation, like I worked at a, we work when I first started there was a startup and now I work at a startup too. Yeah. So like just feeling that all hands on deck type feeling where like you get dirty with, with the leads and the customers and they're the, the problems they're experiencing and everybody's job is everybody's job. So it felt very reminiscent of the old days at WeWork when we were just trying to figure shit out. But I felt young again because of that. Like I got my job at WeWork at, at 25 and I think 25 was like a defining year in my life because that's where everything started just, you know, exponentially getting better. And yeah, I just felt like that. And I think I'm on a on a similar trajectory in a way. Like it's almost like a second wind. And I hope I have more wins in the future. Like I'm, I'm banking on it. But this is definitely like kind of a resurgence of yeah. that energy that I had back then. It was very familiar and comforting and empowering even, you know. So it's funny that you bring that up because I was very nostalgic during that time. Like right. now, even now, even now, it's good though. It's a good feeling. You latch on to something that, that's familiar and you're almost home again. <laughs> Right. But then it's cool to see that, you know, you're, you reminded yourself like, wait, like that wasn't fully who I was necessarily. Yeah. Like I, I get the whole, the whole fact that you're very prideful of that job. Like you should be prideful oh, yeah, of whatever you're doing in life. But to an extent, like it, it's interesting when you're reminded, like, you know, that's not always going to be there, unfortunately. Exactly. But then it's like, who are you at the end of the day is what you were kind of dealing with. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that in just regards to you, but just something that a lot of people um, kind of forget because it sucks to have that reality in your face. And then some people just don't know how to deal with it and just kind of crumble. And that's a, I mean, that's a great point, man. Like you are not your job. Right. Always remember that you're not your job. You are not, you're not the clothes you wear. You're not the shit you buy. Right. Like all that stuff is, is superficial, man. Like with that stripped away, and all of that goes to dust tomorrow. Like, who are you? Right. You know, what What do you believe in? What do you stand for? That kind of thing. That's why I love this conversation because I did not want to focus about your job. I don't know if you, 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 you. realize that. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that just speaks volumes to just like how I hope more people think, you know. It's, I mean, again, it's like you get there. Like I can, you know, I've, I've had conversations where people taught me this. And I had to learn it myself in a way. And right. right now we're speaking words, but everyone takes this and applies it to their own life. Right. I think that's that's pretty universal. Like mm. everyone is who they are beyond what they do and what they wear and what they buy. So So what is something that some people may misunderstand about you, but and then something that you want them to know in return? I, I already kind of alluded to this, man. Like I think people on the surface level think that I am like full of confidence and oozing all this like charisma and you know, like this, that, and the other, like I'm outspoken, flamboyant, whatever adjective you wanted to add, but dude, I am the, <laughs> at times I'm like the antithesis of that. Like I am, I get in my own head a lot, honestly, like, and my closest friends will know this. Like I am, I, I've, I've doubted myself time and time and time again and if it wasn't for like the people around me you know i wouldn't have the courage to do a lot of things that i do you know you should see me before a job interview like i'm fucking <laughs> i'm like hyperventilating in the bathroom saying like hail marys and stuff like it's <laughs> it's really like that dude so it's not it's not a show it's not like i'm not fabricating this this persona because i feel like when i get through all of that self-doubt 
like I put myself into a zone in a mode where like I am a different person. I am confident. I am this, that, and the other, but it's almost like a different alter ego in a way. But I would hate for people to think that, you know, I'm just confident and loud and, you know. No, and that's the thing too. Like, I feel like if, you know, you know, maybe that's who I am. Um, yeah. I feel like I know, I can get a good sense of like, it's kind of a facade for some people. Yeah. Like, I'm not throwing shade at you. Don't get me wrong. No, no, no. no. I don't think that. I don't think that. No, but no. I know you as a person, I feel like, you know what I mean? But yeah. I think yeah. the thing is that I actually take the time to do that. Yeah. And so totally. I think that's why I really love this platform because in a way, I just kind of want to shut people up because yeah. at the end of the day, you don't know what the fuck anybody's going through Dude. and we're all dealing with our own shit, man. That's what. And honestly, like the thing that, that kind of like makes me the most sad is when people think that, you know, I'm cocky. Yeah. I can totally see times in my life and I'll be the first person to admit it where sure. like I, I was, I stepped over the line or I was a little too loud or I didn't speak. I spoke in, on top of somebody or I belittled somebody by accident, but that was never my intent. And like, I think about that shit a lot and I try to do better the next time, but I just want everyone to know that <laughs> I am, <laughs> I am a deeply flawed person too. And you know, I'm a human and uh, yeah, this, that, and the other. I'm there with you, man. Fuck. <laughs> Some people may think that like I it sounds like I know everything. Yeah, right, bro. Yeah. I'm just as lost as everybody else. But 100%. the thing is that, you know, that's why we immerse ourselves in like all this I don't want to call it just content, but like yeah. in this ways of different ways of thinking. And we're so we're both so open to different perspectives. And yeah, I think we both are very interested in just people's life stories where yeah. I'm always searching for I wouldn't say not necessarily an answer, but mm -hmm. I want to know that like, I'm not the only one dealing with this kind of shit sometimes. Totally. I feel you. Well, if you can recap just like your whole life journey at this very moment, what's one life lesson or piece of advice that you want to give to somebody who's dealing with something similar or something that you've dealt with before? Or... <laughs> there's, I mean, I'm not here to say that like I have I'm like a wealth of knowledge or anything like not that. At all. Like, there's just so many lessons, man. Life, is, life throws you so many lessons. I think one thing that I've learned from somebody is like life will keep giving you lessons until you learn them. So that's one big thing is just like really sometimes the answer is just like staring you right in the face. <laughs> and um, and if, if like a lot of people like myself, like we question like, why does this always fucking happen to me? It's because you haven't learned the lesson that you need to learn. So that's one, I think. Um, I learned that from a really great person. The other thing is, man, and this is like one that I've grown myself dude, go easy on yourself. <laughs> and I, not to say that I've, I coined that, right. but like, this is something that I like lived and learned the hard way so many times, man. I feel like the culture nowadays is grind, 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 and you're rewarded for how much you grind, not how much value you put out into the world. It's just really the means, not the end. And fuck, I love that. Yeah. Right. Like, I think that for me, man, like I was trapped in that cycle, dude. To a fault, man. Like, I was just showing up. Oh, like, oh, yeah, 12 hour days. Woo. You know, like, you know, um, I work so hard, but right. like, you realize after a while that it's not sustainable. It's not healthy. It's not good for you. It doesn't create better outcomes. It's not good for anybody around you because you're fucking tired all the time, like, when you're trying to spend quality time. And the biggest lesson to that, like, giving yourself a break, right? Whatever that means to you, if that means going to Disneyland for me. Um, or, you know, watching a movie, watching Netflix, taking a whole day to sleep, whatever that means to you, 
it's better to be intentional about giving yourself a break rather than your body telling you, bro, slow the fuck down. You need a break because that's going to be harder. Yeah. The burnout is real, bro. Right. It happens and nobody is immune to it. So if you're intentional about like giving yourself, you know, a slow start one day or whatever, you'll thank yourself versus like grind, 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 grind. And then you just like literally collapse it. Yeah. So be intentional. Give yourself a break, man. Like literally, figuratively, go easy on yourself. Be kind to yourself. And I mean, I think that all spells back into having a positive mindset. If you're kind to yourself and you give yourself a chance, it's easier to create that positive mindset. You know, there's not so much pressure. There's so much pressure in life in general already, dude. Like external pressure. And like, again, like your your, your parents are going to give you pressure. Your boss, your you don't need to you don't need to give yourself that much pressure. Always strive for more, obviously. But like, if you don't, you're human, man. If you fail, if you if you need a break, <laughs> just fucking take it. Right. Be conscious. Keep that top of mind. Make it a part of your daily practice. You're trying your best, <laughs> like you know. For sure, and it's more of like just reminding yourself it's a marathon, not a sprint. The life itself is short, but the process is every little you know milestone, everything you're trying to achieve takes time and patience. Take that mental inventory. That's that's really what uh, I like. I like to preach. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and please don't forget to share this podcast with anybody who you think would benefit from anything that was discussed today. Also, don't forget to hit me up on Twitter at hint of underscore lemon and listen to us on Apple podcast and Spotify later.